And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, February the 17th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on February 17th, 1801, the U.S. House of Representatives broke an electoral tie between Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr. They elected Jefferson as president. As we know, Burr became vice president. Today, in 1863, the International Red Cross was founded in Geneva. Today, in 1897, the forerunner to the National PTA, they call it the National Congress of Mothers, convened in its first meeting in Washington, D.C. Today, in 1938, first color television was demonstrated at Dominion Theatre in London. Today, in 1955, Britain announced its ability to make hydrogen bombs. Today, in 1959, the United States launched Vanguard 2. That was a a satellite to carry meteorological uh, equipment so we could better know what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Today, in 1964, the Supreme Court ruled that congressional districts within each state had to be roughly equal in population. Today, in 2015, Vice President Joe Biden, he opened a White House summit on countering extremism and radicalism, saying the United States needed to ensure that immigrants were fully included in the fabric of American society, and if we were to do that, that would prevent violent ideologies from taking root at home. Of course, one year ago today, Rush Limbaugh, a great talk, radio talk show host. He became the voice of American conservatism. He died. He was 70 years old. It was about a year after he had announced stage four lung cancer. Dr. Fauci, probably one of the most not loved doctors in America, he did what he loves to do yesterday. He was on the air everywhere. But during the interview on ABC News, he said that uh, he responded to a question. They said, what is the threshold? When do we know that we're kind of out of this uh, pandemic? Well, he didn't know, he said. But he said, there's no magic number. He said, metrics are making the decisions. We will look more at the rates of severe disease and hospitalizations. But he said, we don't know what that number is yet. Interestingly enough, earlier in the day, just before, I'm just not wanting to focus on Fauci, but he was all over the place on the uh, on the media yesterday, and I understand that's his job, but, man, he loves to be there. I mean, that's his life. That's his goal. It, it truly is. I, I, I've studied people my whole life, and, oh, boy. Anyway, in a press, the press briefing at the White House, which was carried on all the networks, of, of course, he kind of teased the idea that we're going to have to keep getting shots. He said the potential future requirement for another booster dose, something that he said is being very carefully monitored in real time. I don't know what that, how do you carefully monitor things in real, I guess you just kind of stand off to the side and watch or something, I don't know. But anyway, that's what he said. And um, he said the potential future requirement could be a fourth shot for those who receive the 
mRNA vaccines and a third shot for those who took the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. In other words, this thing is going to go on and on and on in his mind. But the public has decided not because we're doctors, but just because we're common sense people and we don't have an agenda. We don't have 20 billion shots that we have to sell that the American government will pay for or whatever is driving all of this. We just sort of look at things common sense. There's a lack of that in government. I think Fauci is pretty pretty good example of that. But anyway, that's what he had to say yesterday. He said, yeah, things are getting better, but we're going to have to get more shots and we're going to have to keep this thing going. They'll never let this end as long as they can use it to their advantage. I'm talking about the left. And he is part of the left. There's no question about it. There's a new poll out this morning. It's a, uh, I think it was Pew that put it out. And uh, they say that the LGBT identification in the United States has ticked up. There's now 7.1% of U.S. adults who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender That's increased, they said, from previous years. And they say, this polling says, this is driven by high LGBT self-identification, particularly as bisexual among Generation Z adults. I can tell you in a a sentence what's really driving this. These kids, Generation Z adults now, have been raised in a classroom, for the most part, a public classroom, that is day in and day out assaulted their little minds about gender identity, about homosexuality, about transsexuality, about all of this nonsense. And day after day after day, and it has been so um, characterized as something almost to be sought after. And maybe I could be one of they get so much attention and so much praise and so much nurturing and so much so much uh, attention in the classroom and outside of the classroom in the culture. And they see that's a way of getting attention. That's what kids do. They like to get attention. We used to call it showing off. Now now they're provided with a vehicle. If they become one of those Maybe I am a girl. If they even question it, they get a lot of attention, a lot of care. The focus is on them. That's what's going on here. I mean, this is bizarre. No civilized nation should ever walk down that path, but we are walking down it. We're not walking down it. We're running down that path, and it's a path to destruction. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. So we're beginning to see the results of our, quote, educational system, 7.1% now say, yeah, I'm one of those things. And for the most part, it's all the kids that have just exited our halls of higher learning. CDC reported, I think this is tied to that, CDC reported this morning that 40.5% of U.S. babies born in 2020, they just completed their 2020 study, 40.5% of U.S. babies born in 2020 had unmarried mothers. 42% of them were born on Medicaid, not Medicare, 
<laughs> but Medicaid. That's where leftist views takes a person and takes a culture. The left is straining, giving it their very best to take America down a leftist, demonic pathway. It's happened to cultures before us, and now we're there. We're at the threshold. We're at that proverbial fork in the road. We will make a decision, and we're making a decision. We're in the process of making decisions that will be the ultimate decision for this nation, where we go and what we do. And this nation is divided. You have the secularist, the humanist, the progressive, so-called they call themselves progressives. They're not progressive, but they call themselves progressives. Some of them are old. Some of them are young. You've got antiquity and, you know, Nancy Pelosi and some of those people. <clears throat> I have the right to say that. Younger people don't. I'm over 40, so I can judge people by their age, I guess. But she is the epitome of antiquity, and yet she calls herself a progressive and then she brings these people into Congress. She helps get them elected to the House. And they're way out there, like Ocasio-Cortez and all those people. And Nancy's trying to put on the brakes, and they won't stop. They're saying, oh, yeah, we're no, we're... And they're carrying forth a, an agenda that even scares Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That's where we are today in politics, and that's where we are in our culture today. And the way that we have gotten here and what is sustaining this today is, first and foremost, the work of the evil one, but what is sustaining this in our culture today is big tech, the media, and cyberspace, the Internet. In his treatise in 1835, was called Democracy in America. Fred, uh, French historian Alexis de Tocqueville, his name is pronounced in a, in a dozen different ways, but that is the most common way to pronounce his name. French historian. He observed, this was 1835, he observed that tyranny in democratic republics manifests itself differently from tyranny in monarchies. He had visited in America. He'd been here. He'd spent about a year or so here, just traveling the country. He was in churches, in the halls of Congress, and taking notes and writing this book. I've read the book. It's like 900 pages. But tyranny in the free world he observed, tyranny in the free world exists nonetheless, and it takes on a specific character, one not altogether unfamiliar to what we today are experiencing as Christians and conservatives. This is why Paul warned Christians in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but he said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Big tech companies are doing the bidding of the U.S. government in actions that mirror what China's doing in their culture, China's social credit system. I want to talk about China's social credit system, but I, I'm not going to have time today to get into that. We'll come back to that another day because it's, it's, it's something we should all be aware of because it's being imposed very quietly, very subtly, and incrementally, but it's being imposed and superimposed into our culture today by particularly Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, which is a 
Chinese-owned company, but all of these, all of these platforms, and a government now in place that we elected. That's pushing it as well. I, I'm just not going to have time to talk about the that part of it, the social uh, credit system. But Americans have got to realize what's happening, and they've got to take action. This Kara Frederick, uh, she worked for Facebook. She was an analyst. She's come out now. She's conservative. She she left the company, of course, but she is she's done this study. For Heritage Foundation, and that's a basis of some of the things that I'm going to be sharing today and other news stories as well. But she's written this in-depth, revealing report that shows, quote, too many gatekeepers of information for the American public, elite media, academia, government institutions, various organs of the culture. She said they're captured by leftist ideology. We know that. That's true. As this past year has shown, she writes, big tech companies are not afraid to exercise their power in the service of this ideology. A report is titled, Combating Big Tech's Totalitarianism, a Roadmap. In other words, what to do to stand against it from a secular point of view. I don't know. She may be a Christian. I don't know. She's a conservative for sure. I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but she's looking at this from the secular perspective. She says, given their positions as global oligopolies, the ability of big tech companies to manipulate the flow of information renders their actions transformative. She says, every American should be concerned about big tech's willingness to shut off direct access to digital information. Their demonstrated pattern of information manipulation and their impact on America's culture of free speech. And that's what caught my attention. I'm very interested in free speech because it comes directly to bear on the commandment that Jesus has given all of us Christians to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what will transform the world, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we should be concerned, culturally, and from a secular point of view as well. We certainly need to be informed. She says big tech companies are doing the bidding of the U.S. government in actions that mirror China's social credit system. Frederick says Americans must recognize what's happening and take action. She gives uh, kind of a rundown on actions that we can take in this, in this report that she's done. It's very, very well done and very highly sourced. You can I mean, everything she's saying has multiple sources from where this information, how, I mean, who has done the research and so on, and she's put it all together. It's the best report on this subject I've seen um, at all, in fact, anywhere. And that's why I wanted to highlight it today a little bit and some of what's in it. It's it's pretty significant report, but I would encourage you to look into this further. There's stuff in this you just need to know, and I've taken what I think is most important for these minutes on the radio today, but there's much more there. I put it, it's in our article today on our, our Facebook page or our uh, internet page, uh, website, faithandfreedom.us, faithandfreedom.us. So um, you can go there and look at it much more in depth, the whole report. But her heritage report gives us uh, detailed sourced account of how social media and other organs of public information are working to change the minds and the thinking of Americans, none the least our children. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. 
But big tech has a monopoly on the dissemination of information. For example, tech corporations actively insert themselves between the user and the content. And they've been doing that increasingly since Donald Trump ran for office and then was elected. I mean, they've been all out. She gives examples of these multiple sources. On October 20, in October 2021, the poll research firm McLaughlin and Associates, and they're used by a number of conservatives uh, as well as some liberals, but they found that 52% of Americans believe Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sites censorship of the New York Post's Hunter Biden story. Remember that, the laptop? They found 52% of Americans believe that that interference in the election caused people to vote, perhaps themselves, to vote as they did. They didn't know. Had they known about the laptop and about the story that the New York Post broke in October prior to the elec- to, to an election, they would have voted differently. A November 2020 study by the Media Research Center, they're a, a religious or conservative organization, MRC, They found that one in six Biden voters claimed they would have changed their vote had they been aware of the information, such as the Hunter Biden laptop story that was actively suppressed by tech companies, all of them. More than 17 platforms muzzled the then sitting president of the United States, Trump, within two weeks in January. They did it almost in lockstep, January of 2021. At the same time, three tech companies acted in concert within approximately 48 hours of each other to eliminate this conservative-friendly competitor as it sat atop the Apple store. I guess that was Parler. I would imagine that's what they're referring to. In July 2021, there was a consortium of companies and organizations that revealed plans to expand an industry-wide terrorism database to include right-wing content. In other words, people, well, people like myself, talking about this. That suddenly becomes off-limits. It becomes right-wing content and much bigger voices than mine. I mean, that's who they were targeting. But that is the move that we're a part of today. That's the way this river, the culture, is running. Using a data set of prominent political active users suspended from Twitter since its inception, This guy at Columbia University, Columbia University is not conservative, I can tell you. They're one of the most far-left universities in America. But this researcher at Columbia University discovered that in 2019, Twitter suspended users in the conservative category, right-wing content category, at a ratio of 21 to 1 compared to liberals or progressives. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, it's not fair, but more importantly, it is developing how America thinks. It's developing a worldview. It's developing a point of view. It's not only what we are told, it's what we are not told. And that's where big tech, you've got Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, who's he's retired, I think, or stepped out of Twitter, but whomever. Uh, you've got these guys running these tech companies. Personally, I think they kind of hate America, but they love taking advantage of the opportunities here. But they do this to take this nation where it has never been 
because they are blinded by their own ideologies. Their own ideologies are secularist and humanist. YouTube now censors content content that contradicts left-wing orthodoxy. There's a whole worldview being constructed like a web around America. And if we're not paying attention, if we're not informed, then this simply by osmosis, we kind of take on this whole point of view. And that's what's happening in our culture today. 40% of babies born last year or in 2020 on Medicaid without a father, I mean, without a father in the in the mix, single women. Not only does YouTube censor content that, con, uh, content that contradicts left-wing uh, uh, orthodox, Facebook suppresses access to information that's critical of Democrat politicians. They do it consistently. They have programs set up to do that. Christian commentators, preachers, and even mothers are penalized for posting misinformation. In other words, there is an orthodoxy now. It's it's a it's a counterfeit, and Satan is always the father of lies. The Bible says, and he is the father of the alternative, or the shadow of truth, which isn't truth. But these commentators, Christian commentators, preachers, and I, as I said, even mothers who espouse traditional family values. That has now been labeled misinformation by these media, social media platforms. Frederick gives this detailed rundown on each category of censorship. But let me talk to you a little bit about about the children, about the kids. It's abusive, the way they're going after the kids. In her report, she says, in addition to their political impacts, big tech's practices result in measurable effects on young citizens. As companies compete for younger and younger portions of the market, the race to the bottom is in full swing. Newer companies are vying for footholds as others hemorrhage users in this demographic. For instance, Wall Street Journal reports that on Facebook's internal research suggests that's where she worked as an analyst. Their Facebook's internal research suggests that in the United States, the number of teens who use Facebook every day has fallen by 19% in the last two years, and it's projected to fall an additional 45% by 2023. In other words, Mark Zuckerberg's fighting for his life. That's why he's coming out with all this meta and all this junk. He's fighting for his life because the kids are leaving him in droves and they're going elsewhere, TikTok in particular. But all of these, while they are competing, they are working and walking in lockstep. In a similar period, Facebook set a multi-year goal to create products that specifically are directed at preteens, considering them a valuable but untapped audience. In March of 2021, just about a year ago, Facebook revealed that it intended to create an Instagram for children younger than 13 years old. Now, there was a lot of pushback on that. We talked about it on this program. YouTube kids invoke children as young as three years old 
in their rollout in 2015. Up-and-comers, Frederick says, like TikTok, which is owned by a Beijing-based parent company, you can bet the Chinese Communist Party runs, runs the site. They run everything in their sphere. But they're deliberately courting younger markets. 37.3 million out of 78.7 million total TikTok users in the United States in 2021 belong to Generation Z. And those are those that were born after 1997. And they're skewing younger. They know if they can get to our kids and indoctrinate them, we're going to be getting results like I mentioned a few moments ago in a poll that's out this morning. We now have more people who identify as LGBTQ, whatever, because of the education, because of social media, because of the influences of the culture. A July 2020 Pew Research Center survey found that among children from 9 to 11 years old, 30% of their parents claim that their kid uses TikTok. 22% of parents estimate that their children use Snapchat. 11% say their children use Instagram. 6% think that their kids are on Facebook. This is significant. These toxic effects of these platforms on American youth, according to Facebook's own research, between 2019 and 2020, 32% of teenage girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. 6% of teen Instagram users were reported suicidal. They had suicidal thoughts that were traced back to their being on Instagram. This report is the best. It's the most current that I have seen. I just urge you, if you care about such things, to go to our website, Faith and Freedom, and just go on there. You'll see it today and just click on the link to the report itself, and you can go through all of this. But Alexei de Tocqueville, he observed in his treatise that tyranny in democratic republics manifests differently from the tyranny in monarchies. Here's what he said. He said, it ignores the body and goes straight for the soul. The master no longer says, you will think as I do or die. He says, you are free not to think as I do. You will retain your civic privileges, but they will be of no use to you. You will remain among men, but you will forfeit your rights to humanity. Go in peace. I will not take your life, but the life I leave you with is worse than death. I couldn't agree more. That's where we are today. That's why we must not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Bottom line, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we've got to look at everything that's going on in our culture through the lens of God's word. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Thanks for your support. We need it. Every day, every month, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow.